section thirteen of the inheritance by susan edmonstoun ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume one chapter thirteen nothing is lost on him who sees with an eye that feeling gave for him there's a story in every breeze and a picture in every wave song mrs st clair and her daughter proceeded for some time in profound silence the former seemed plunged in painful meditation the latter felt grieved and mortified at her mother's caprice and unkindness to her the first thing which roused mrs st clair was the view of rossville castle rising proudly above the woods which embosomed it and as she looked gradually her brow cleared her eye brightened and her countenance regained its usual expression gertrude my love said she taking her daughter's hand i've almost forgot you to-day but your own heart will enable you to conceive what mine must have suffered and she sighed deeply yes answered miss st clair in some agitation i can conceive that you have felt much but i cannot conceive why oh mamma what had i done that you should have shook me from you like a venomous reptile my dear gertrude what an idea that is the mere coinage of your brain how can you allow yourself to be so carried away by your imagination come my dear let us have no more such foolish fancies strange indeed it would be continued she as the park gate was thrown open to receive them in any one to cast off like a reptile the fair heiress of this princely domain but however strange her daughter felt it was so and she remained silent mrs st clair resumed apropos gertrude when you are lady of rossville you must build me a little tiny cottage on yon lovely green bank where i may live quietly as a humble cottager while you play the great lady come promise me gertrude that i shall have a croft from you a butt and a ben a cow's grass and a kale-yard there was something so forced and unnatural in her mother's sudden gaiety that miss st clair accustomed as she was to all the inequalities of her temper felt almost frightened at it and she was at a loss how to reply so you won't promise me gertrude even a humble independence for my old age perhaps you are right to be cautious lear's daughter spoke him fair and after all turned him out of doors and why should i expect more from you oh mamma exclaimed miss st clair bursting into tears do not kill me with such cruel words is it so cruel then in a mother to crave a pittance from the bounty of her child it is cruel to doubt that i would give you all yes were all this mine to-morrow i could not be more mistress of it than you should be so you think it present gertrude but you know not as i do the mutability of the human mind you will form other ties other connections you will marry and your mother will be forgotten perhaps forsaken you will marry cried she with increased violence you will marry and i shall be left to starve you will fall a prey to the artifices of a colonel delmore a needy desperate spendthrift i see already he is paying court to the future heiress 
and once the wife of that designing extravagant man you will have nothing to bestow shocked and amazed at her mother's violence miss st clair sought to tranquillize her by assurances that she was mistaken in supposing colonel delmore had any such views when mrs st clair interrupted her promise me then that you will never become his wife there is always something revolting to an open ingenuous mind in being fettered by promises but there was something more than even that natural repugnance to make gertrude shrink from thus binding herself to her mother's will and she remained silent but the deep blush that burned on her cheek spoke more eloquently than words mrs st clair regarded her with a piercing look then exclaimed in a transport of anger and is it even so and all that i have done and suffered is then suddenly stopping she added in a milder tone gertrude my wish is to save you from the dangers with which you are already surrounded promise me at least that you will not marry until you have attained the age of twenty-one that you will never marry without my consent and until you have provided for my old age mamma said miss st clair with a calmness and self-possession which bespoke her determination i here promise that i will not marry without your consent before the age of twenty-one and until i have provided for you as becomes my mother more i cannot i dare not i will not promise then with that i must be satisfied said mrs st clair as the carriage stopped at the castle door and having alighted she entered the house while her daughter stood some minutes on the lawn inhaling the mild freshness of a west wind laden with the balmy sweets of opening buds and blossoms insensibly she strolled on and gradually the impression of the unpleasant scene she had just had with her mother wore away beneath the calming influence of nature's charms the clear cloudless sky the lulling flow of the river the bright green woods and all the luxuriance of early summer miss st clair wandered on till she reached a little secluded spot she had not yet seen on the top of a green knoll that rose gradually from the river stood part of an ancient building of an irregular and picturesque form but now almost covered with ivy some wild cherry or what in the language of the country are called green trees grew almost close to it they were now white with blossoms and formed a fanciful contrast to the emblems of age and decay with which they were combined the ground betwixt the river and the ruin appeared to have been originally a garden or orchard and some old apple trees still remained whose mossy trunks and shrivelled branches bore evidence of their antiquity while here and there a cluster of rich pink blossoms showed that life was in the leaf for still between the fits of falling snow appeared the streaky green some aged weeping willows dipped their silvery foliage in the dark waters as they glided slowly and silently along it was a scene where the contemplative mind might have mused over the mournful record of time and things and people past and gone with their joys and their sorrows where the youthful imagination might have pictured to itself some ideal paradise yet to be realized ah thought gertrude how willingly would i renounce all the pomp of greatness 
to dwell here in lowly affection with one who would love me and whom i could love in return how strange that i who could cherish the very worm that crawls beneath my foot have no one being to whom i can utter the thoughts of my heart no one on whom i can bestow its best affections she raised her eyes swimming in tears to heaven but it was in the poetical enthusiasm of feeling not in the calm spirit of devotion she was suddenly roused by hearing some one approach and presently colonel delmore forcing his way through some wild tangled bushes hastened towards her with an appearance of the greatest delight at sight of him the thoughts of her mother's warning rushed to her recollection the dislike she had expressed the suspicions she harboured the promise she would have exacted all seemed to give him a sort of inexplicable interest in her eyes she coloured deeply and the consciousness she had done so added to her confusion i have to apologise to you said colonel delmore for thus literally forcing my way to you lindsay and i were practising archery wherein i described you to see you and not to fly to you was impossible had briareus himself opposed my passage so leaving edward master of the field i winged my way to you like one of my own arrows but i fear i startled you miss st clair felt as though she were acting in direct disobedience to her mother and thus meeting even accidentally with the man she had just heard denounced by her in great embarrassment she begged he would resume his exercise and she was moving away when colonel delmore caught her hand and in a lone tone said do not stir from hence unless you wish to encounter miss pratt's observations she is beating about here i saw her as i came along but i trust she will lose scent do remain till that danger is past almost equally averse to encounter miss pratt at any time but more particularly at present she suffered colonel delmore to seat her on a little mossy knoll and throwing himself on the grass at her feet be this your throne and behold your subject said he in a half serious half sportive tone then raising his eyes to hers he repeated le premier jour quand aime en se plaitant secret à mettre au rang dera l'objet que l'on miss st clair tried to reply in a strain of badinage but the words died on her lips and colouring still more deeply she remained silent at that moment mr lindsay appeared but ere he had time to address her the shrill voice of miss pratt was heard and presently she broke in aha so you're all here upon my word here's a meeting of friends it puts me in mind of a scene in a play where all the lovers meet to run away with pretty mistress Anne page and the one cries mum and the other cries budget two excellent words said colonel delmore looking much provoked of course you understand their meaning be silent and be gone two very impertinent words in my opinion said miss pratt seating herself beside gertrude and to tell you the truth i've no great notion of your mums there's a family in this county all so tongue-tied that anthony white calls their house the mummery and by the by mr edward i really think you may cry mum any day you're grown very silent of late 
a proof i am growing wiser i suppose answered he laughingly according to some great authority who i think says most men speak from not knowing how to be silent the saying of some dull blockhead i suspect said colonel delmore still evidently out of humour indeed i think so too colonel cried miss pratt anybody can hold their tongue but it's not everybody that can speak not everybody that ought to speak or at least ought to be listened to said colonel delmore contemptuously turning from her and addressing some words in french in a low tone to gertrude while miss pratt gabbled on bless me what a tear i've got in my gown there's really an ill luck attends this gown i never have it on without its meeting with some accident that's all i've got by hunting after you youngsters and in the twinkling of an eye her huswife was out her thimble on her finger and her needle flying through all the intricacies of a very bad cross-tear what's this we were talking about oh about people holding their tongues i really wish these birds would hold theirs for i'm perfectly deaved with their chattering sh sh shaking her parasol at a goldfinch i really think young people should be made to hold their tongues and only speak when they're spoken to was that a fish that leaped in the water just now what a pity but one of you had had a fishing-rod in your hands instead of these senseless bows and arrows it would have been some diversion to have seen you hook a nice three-pound weight collar trout and really old people should be cautious of speaking they're sometimes rather slow you know not but what i can listen to anybody bless me how the wind's blowing these blossoms about i'm like to be blinded with them come you shall listen to me then said mr lindsay as he caught some of the falling blossoms while i apostrophized them in some pretty lines of harry's two blossoms fair pledges of a fruitful tree why do you fall so fast your date is not so past but you may stay here yet a while to blush and gently smile and go at last what were ye born to be an hour or half's delight and so to bid good-night twas pity nature brought ye forth merely to show your worth and lose you quite but you are lovely leaves where we may read how soon things have their end though ne'er so brave and after they have shown their pride like you a while they glide into the grave miss pratt testified great impatience while the verses were repeating but the purpose was answered the time was passed while the fracture was repairing and afraid of more poetry for which she had a mortal antipathy she readily assented to miss st clair's proposal of returning home i can tell you one thing my dear whispered she to gertrude that mum should be the watchword here to-day a certain person with a wink at colonel delmore is but a younger brother and not the thing he can be very pleasant when he pleases but take my word for it he's not to ride the ford upon but bless me i had no notion it was so late and i've a bit of lakes to run upon my gown before dinner and away ran miss pratt to her toilette while gertrude retired to her chamber to ruminate on the events of the day End of section thirteen.